Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events. As the calendar turns to August, we have baseball in full swing and the return of football this month. Use our promo code believe 50 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome, welcome everybody. It is Friday, August 5th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is you may be listening. We have got a great show coming at you today. You may or may not know that I have uh, been spending the last month or so creating a documentary series. It is called The Fall of the Spurs Dynasty. It is available anywhere and everywhere that you get podcasts. And I think that this podcast series has been a resounding success for myself and uh, it was beyond my wildest expectations. It was made with the SB Nation site for the San Antonio Spurs. I really had a great time making it. It was really fun, and uh, we had great engagement with the Spurs community, and part of that engagement with the Spurs community is going to be a series that pops up over the next few weeks, and that includes a conversation today with Danny Sanders. He is a San Antonio Spurs super fan, a season ticket holder for 30 years, and now, I don't know if he's still a season ticket holder, but a longtime season ticket holder for the Spurs, has been at all of the Spurs' biggest games over the years, and his engagement with the show is something that really made me feel great that I could make something that I could engage with with the Spurs community. There will be Spurs people that pop up on the podcast over the next month after making this series. And Danny and I had an awesome conversation about just the history of the San Antonio Spurs and the the Kawhi Leonard years and going through some of the, the parts of making the podcast. Think of it a little bit in this conversation as a, a behind-the-scenes, how-the-sausage-was-made story about this podcast and Danny who by the way if you want to check out Danny he's on the Locked On Spurs podcast uh, usually like once every three weeks or so and I think that Danny is really engaged with the Spurs and, and can have better conversations than myself because obviously I love Kawhi Leonard I love this story so much I know so much more about the story with all the research that we've done uh, but I'm not the most equipped to talk about kind of the historical aspects of the Spurs. And I think this adds another element to the podcast series. So 
talking San Antonio Spurs and just chatting it up about making the series today. Uh, Danny and I were going to do like a 30 or 40 minute podcast and it turned into a full length hour and 20 minute conversation here on the show. So I'm excited to share it with all of you because uh, Danny has uh, been gracious enough to give us his time and his expertise and uh, something that he's really passionate about and something that I'm really passionate about coming together to make a wonderful, fun podcast here today. So without further ado, let us welcome in Dr. Danny Sanders to the podcast, who you can follow on Twitter and check him out on the Locked on Spurs podcast, wherever you get podcasts. And by the way, if you want to listen to all five episodes of the Fall of the Spurs Dynasty, it comes out to like a four hour podcast, which is basically like the length of a small book. If you turn it on like 1.5 speed, that's like two hours and change. So uh, you, you can listen to that series as well. I recommend listening to that as well, along with this conversation with Danny. And all of the episodes are available with the link in the description to this episode. So I said without further ado a second ago, but now without any further ado, let us welcome Danny Sanders to the Take It Easy podcast. Yeah. Joining us here today is... Danny Sandoval, well, I guess Dr. Danny Sandoval yeah. is, is the way that uh, he, he would should be addressed because it, it takes a lot to get that doctorate degree. He is a big fan of the set of the San Antonio Spurs, and Danny has been engaging with me on the podcast series. And so uh, we have a Spurs super fan joining us today. And if I if we were going to invite a Spurs super fan, I thought it was going to be the guy who dresses up like Jesus and shows up to the games. But uh, we'll I, talk I've talked to him Spurs a couple Jesus, times yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's engaged a couple times before, but we have uh, Dr. Sandoval joining us to talk uh, Spurs, the podcast series. We were talking about the Sacramento Kings before hopping on and early 2000s basketball, which I'm sure as a, uh, a San Antonio Spurs fan is is the good days, of course. So uh, you can also, by the way, check out Dr. Sandoval occasionally on the Locked on Spurs podcast as well as a frequent contributor. He was on Monday's episode of the show, so you can check that out as well. Thank you for hopping on and thank you for your support of the podcast. I'll say that. I told you off air, but I'll tell you also on the, on air. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast series that I made. Oh, absolutely! It was it was uh, it was a joy to listen to. Oh, just real quick, you don't have to call me Doctor Sandoval. That was more like just to, it was it was kind <laughs> of a running joke. Um, I do have my doctorate, but it was kind of a running joke back for whenever um, whenever the first lady had decided to call herself Doctor. Also, I, I was like, well, I mean, I I guess since we all have doctorates, you can call ourselves doctors. <laughs> But anyway, you know what? Um, I, I think you should just wear it as a badge of honor. But yes, it's Danny Sandoval <laughs> joining us here. But uh, occasionally I'll, I'll sprinkle it. it in. I'll take it. I won't I won't ever uh, decline being called doctor. But yeah, no, it it, it was it was a really uh, it, it, it was a joy listening to your podcast. Like I was telling you a few moments ago off air. Um, Spurs fans are just delighted to be able to have somebody talk about us. And even though. It wasn't necessarily the topic that we really liked to rehash, and, and, and as far as remembering that time, um, yeah, I mean, back the 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 previous moments we're talking about the early two thousands were kind of our golden years because that's when um, we were still a fledgling up and coming team, and uh, the big three were kind of kind of making their way and and finding their way, and and uh, yeah, that that was a lot of classic 
classic basketball back in the early aughts. So um, that's always a good, good, uh, good way to go down memory lane. Yeah, and I, I know the series was the fall of the Spurs dynasty, and I had said in in doing the you know advertising for the show, like episode four and and in parts episode five was really the story I was trying to tell, and mm-hmm. that was around you know 2018 and everything that happened afterwards because that's the part that you know inspired me to to tackle this story but everything that was leading up to that before was you know a conversation about how the spurs were this greatest i call it the greatest dynasty in north american professional sports and greg popovich and following tim duncan and ginobili and and parker and bruce bowen and doing all of that was interesting because it wasn't the story that i initially set out for but then learning the context of that was like oh this is uh, I, I don't think even I had as great of appreciation for what the Spurs had built as I had had thought going into the show. And I, I think you did a brilliant job kind of wrapping and ra- wrapping all of that history into it, because, yeah, if, if you're not a Spurs fan, um, I always kind of talk about it as, as being the, the greatest dynasty that no one ever knows or talks about, because um, I don't remember whether you mentioned it or not. I think you did. But um I, I think this is still true unless the last two years have kind of just totally tainted it for us. But I, I, I know for a period of time, I mean, we were the winningest franchise in North American sports. We had, we had, we had the highest winning percentage, uh, even, even more than the Lakers and the Patriots and the Celtics. Um, so, I mean, that, that in itself is a testament to the type of basketball and the type of culture and really the, 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 the dynasty that, that we did build down here, um, and I don't know, have you, have you ever visited San Antonio before Kyle? I have never visited the state of Texas. No, never. Okay. Well, we'll have to remedy that one of these days, but, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you San Antonio, even though I think as of today, uh, what's August 1st, 2022, I think we are the seventh largest city in the U S at least by population standards. Um, it's the sleepiest little big town that you'll ever visit. Right. I mean, it, it, it's one of those cities that even though we have um, we have that that um, that moniker as far as just being that big, it doesn't always seem that big. We don't always seem to be like a cosmopolitan city, like cities like L.A. or New York or Chicago. Or, you know, it's uh, interesting that you, you mentioned that just because I grew up in San Diego and the, and the fact that you called it like a sleepy big town is, is funny <laughs> because that's what people have called San Diego my entire life is that they're a sleepy beach town that it again is like one of the 10 largest cities in all of the country, but no one thinks of it as as a major city or a major destination or even within the same context, a major professional sports city. And and San Antonio is the opposite of San Diego in that they had all of the sports success and even still are viewed, you know, I said in the in the podcast at one point, most people across the country, when you say San Antonio, think of the Spurs and can't really name a second thing about San Antonio. You're absolutely right. And and I mean you can you can relate then as far as as far as uh San or San Diego and San Antonio being named that. I mean Y'all have La Jolla and we have the Alamo. So it's kind of it's kind of the same. Um, But, yeah, you're right in that I've kind of made this argument before on Twitter. Um, The Spurs kind of, I think, in my opinion, I think the, the, the city of San Antonio owes a lot of their fame and popularity and recognizance to the San Antonio Spurs, because that's um, that that's what we we're associated with. And for so long. 
starting from back in the early 90s, I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s, all the way until till now, um, that's that's rang true. I mean, especially for sports fans and the way that social media and sports is kind of reported now. Um, yeah, that, that, that really is true because you think about it, we don't really have a lot of Fortune 500 companies. I think our the biggest Fortune 500 company we have here probably be USAA, maybe maybe Rackspace. Um, but other than that, there's not really a lot of big business going on here, even though, I mean, there's always a big pull to have companies come here to Texas for whatever tax incentives we give. But um, yeah, for at, at least for this region, uh, the Spurs were it. And that's why we, we take so much pride in having the Spurs and, and, and their history and their, their rich history and their rich culture. But I think you hit it on the head. And I know some Spurs fans will agree with me and some some won't. But um, I think the title of your podcast is, 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 is accurate. It's very appropriate. It's uh, the, the, the fall of the dynasty because that's essentially what happened. And uh, we can get into it here in a few moments. But I remember whenever everything kind of started to come down the pike and Kawhi had asked for it, the trade and it actually happened. I mean, we were mad. We were all livid. And I remember even saying back then, that was in 2018, I said, he just put us back 10 years. I said, we're, we're not going to be a team that competes for a title again for at least seven to 10 years. And I think we're kind of on that track at, at this point. I mean, it's, it's been, uh, what, four years now? Four years he's been traded, and <laughs> we're not any closer to I mean, uh, the, the context I added at the end of the show is the Spurs are not going to make the playoffs in 2023. They're not going to make the playoffs in 2024. So by the time yeah. that happens, it will be <laughs> seven years since the Kawhi Leonard injury against Zaza Pachulia, which was, you know, effectively uh, the end of the Spurs as we know it. Yeah. That was heartbreaking. Absolutely. That, that was, uh, uh, I remember whenever that happened, it was Mother's Day. It was a Sunday. It was Mother's Day, uh, Western Conference game one. And I think we kind of shocked the entire league by uh, really just manhandling the Warriors that first half. I think we're up by 25 at one point. We looked mm-hmm. unstoppable. I mean, the, the Warriors had no answer for us. And the second half comes around and it was more of the same until... I, th- I think I want to say it was like seven or eight minutes into the third quarter and that injury happened. And then from there, the rest is history. Yeah. And I, I think you kind of hit it there where it's like, it's a fall, but it's not in a fall of like, this is a, a necessarily like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this all fell apart. I, I think San Antonio, <laughs> the, the, the part I argued at the end is like, this is never supposed to last forever. It's just strange that it was such a night and day switch and then like you said just nobody talks about it just this is team that for 30 years is beacon of stability across all of sports and it it ends pretty like dramatically in an unprecedented fallout between an organization and a player and that player goes on to have all of this success immediately after leaving and and no one talks about it and that's the thing that always surprised me and and part of why I wanted to tell that story, along with the fact that I just really, really like Kawhi Leonard because of my personal connection to Kawhi Leonard. I, I just I can't believe no one talks about this story. No one talks about how that ended. I, I was always surprised by that. It's by design, Kyle. And and I'll I'll tell you because uh, we're talking about it a few moments ago off air. And you're kind of asking, like, I mean, why doesn't anybody talk about it? And and I mean, it, I I, I kind of found it 
uh, odd that it that that never that no one ever did talk about it. And I can tell you why because um, the Spurs always kind of shunned any type of media attention, dating back to whenever Tim was first drafted. Okay, he was very reclusive. I mean, you're talking about um, the greatest power forward in NBA history. I think. I mean, uh, my my personal opinion, top five all time. Um, uh, NBA player, but he was very reclusive. He didn't want to, to have that spotlight on him. And the Spurs fostered an environment for him and really tailored the whole organization and everything around him to making it to where he didn't have to talk to media. And I, I, I can't tell you the amount of media members just here in San Antonio that have countless stories that will, I mean, they'll, they'll tell you like, I mean, just simple plugs for the radio station, like simple. I mean, you, you work in radio. So, I mean, you know, like right around training camp time, I mean, you always do like the, the plugs where you get like just a, a, maybe not even the superstar player, but just like an average bench player. And you have them say, Hey, this is so-and-so and you're listening to whatever, whatever, whatever simple plugs like that PR would right away, take the player away. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that today. And it's very disappointing and frustrating because um, part of that has been, yeah, that's been something that Tim just wanted to never really, he, he never wanted to really avail himself in the media. And I'm not saying he never did because he did do certain segments with certain sportscasters and certain me- media members. So he never, it's not like he never talked to the media, but he just didn't like it. He didn't like it. And he just made himself less available than most superstars and most organizations made their players less of less accessible than most organizations across the across the league to where it was by design and and that's why i think that that's part of why i think it's not talked about and i think it's a big reason because whenever we had media come in for the western conference finals or the nba finals that was also a complaint because i mean even at at that point i mean you, you know this i mean at that point, whenever you get that far in the game, um, the NBA mandates that you have media sessions. And I mean, of course, the Spurs did that, but there was never really anything beyond that. And um, they just they they just did not really accommodate media the way um, other markets did. And I'll, uh-huh. I'll give you a good example. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a good example. So uh, big, big Dallas Cowboys following here. Right. I mean. I, I, I think I want to say, and I'm, I'm pretty, I, I think I'm accurate in saying this, outside of Dallas proper, San Antonio has the largest contingent of Dallas Cowboys fans in the whole U.S., all right? So we, I mean, whenever, whenever you look at TV ratings and markets and who's watching the game, it's always Dallas and San Antonio. So right now, Dallas is having their training camp. I think, I think it started last week. You look at the sportscast here in San Antonio. And of course, I think training camp's close to where you are. It's in Oxnard. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you've, you've already seen interviews with the owner. Of course, Jerry Jones wants to get in front of a camera, any opportunity he wants, or he can, but you, you see interviews with the owner, the quarterback, the GM. I mean, the 54th man on the team, guys that are trying to make the team and you see how accessible they are. You don't see that with the Spurs. Like whenever there's training camp that rolls around, sure, you see interviews, but never to the extent where it's uber accessible. The only time of that, the only type of accessibility that they really allow is on that opening day of training camp. Whenever they have that opening media session, um, 
you'll you'll see some some interviews out there. But for the most part, it's pretty it, it, it's been pretty guarded. I think there's a slow turnaround and there's a slow change right now where they're starting to kind of creep out of that shell because I mean, let's face it, there's a new crop of players. They're young. They, they, they've grown up with social media. They want to get their name and their face and their brand out there to where I think the Spurs are kind of having to kind of just adjust them their, their selves to the times. But that has not been the way that they've done business over the last 30 years. How much of that do you think was Popovich and, and him being <laughs> the leader of all of it? Because in the, in the yeah. fourth episode, when I was going through 2018 for like for like three months, it was always like Popovich quote, Popovich quote, Popovich quote. And, and there just wasn't anything else coming from anywhere except Popovich. And he would be the person at the forefront speaking on behalf of everyone, kind of like old school college football. Yeah. Pop Pop is the godfather, right? I don't know if, if you notice this or if you pay if you pay attention to this. He he um whenever he talks about the Spurs, he talks about it in terms of being a of, of it being a program, all right? Like it's run like a college basketball team. Um and that's how he runs it. And 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 he's very it's very militaristic, very um very formal. Um there's not really a lot that's leaked ever. Uh, I think I think maybe besides shoot, I can't even think of another team. Um, I I think we have the least amount of leaks <laughs> whenever it comes time for any kind of free agent signings or trade rumors or anything. I mean, we just don't let a lot out, and that's by design. Also, uh, ever since Pop took over, and you have to kind of go back. And I I think I remember you hitting you hitting on this. Um, that was actually a really good episode. I remember you kind of talked about Pop's history and his relationship with General McDermott. Well, General McDermott called him back from the Warriors, I think I want to say in 94, if I'm not mistaken. And I, mm-hmm. I think you hit on it. But basically yeah. called him back as a GM. First, I think one of his first first orders of business, he hired Bob Hill as a coach. And of course, at that time, we had David, we had Sean, or I'm sorry, we actually brought Sean back from the Pistons because because the previous regime regime had traded him for Dennis Rodman. So yeah, like the, really the first formidable. year was the most successful season in the history of the Spurs. Yes, like yeah. the first year pop was there. <laughs> and, and, and if you talk to most Spurs fans, we really strongly believe that should have been the first year we won the title because that was our best team. Um, I think a lot of us blame it on Dennis Rodman for not staying engaged in that Houston rocket series. And of course, I mean, everyone's seen the highlights of Akeem and what he did to David. But I think if you look to you take a kind of a deeper dive into it, I mean, David really, even though like there's some highlights that really made it seem like he was outplayed, kind of played him pretty even throughout the series. Just um, the Rockets, just they, they, they beat us on our home court and we could never really um, get over that hump. But um, yeah, uh, talking about Pop as far as how much of that is is his doing, it's all his doing. He he's the godfather. He's uh, he's the one at the end of the day. If he wants something done, it's going to get done, whether it be a player getting signed or not signed. Or um, I I, I kind of joke sometimes, and I'm kind of half joking. Whenever it comes to the game operation or, or to the uh, to the uh, operations at the arena, uh, as far as music and lights and how the players are introduced, I mean, I I think I want to say he has a, a hand in that also because he just has that much that much uh he, he he wields that much power over the organization to where uh a lot of that is on him and that's his call and you know for the most part 
um, he's made the right call, right? I mean, because again, we're only talking about this because of how successful the Spurs have been over the last 30 years. But at the same end, there's been some cracks. And I think, um, I know this wasn't a Tim Duncan podcast we're talking about, but um, I think this goes to the fact that Tim, Do- Tim, Tim Duncan ultimately was the, was the person uh, that, that, uh, that really um, set, the, set the tempo. He, he is the one that built the culture. He was the culture. So whenever he stepped away in 2016, that's when he started to see the cracks. I think I want to say um, shortly after is when LaMarcus wanted to get traded. And then, of course, the year after is whenever the Kawhi deal started hitting. And I'll, I'll tell you, because um, uh, there's, there's some within Spurs Twitter that actually have have uh, have 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 sources within within the team. I guess Kawhi had started to intimate that he wanted to go home to California back since the summer of 2017. So even before that 2018 debacle happened, he already kind of started to make it known that he wasn't really happy that he didn't really want to stay here for the long term. Now, of course, at that point, Spurs fans couldn't believe it. I mean, um, here here's a, a fan base that were that had the good fortune of seeing George Gervin. Dave Robinson, Tim Duncan, and then of course moving on to Kawhi, to where from our from our perspective, we're thinking like, why would anyone ever want to leave leave here, leave this, right? <laughs> well, yeah, of course, because <laughs> I, I, I the, the part I focused at the end is like they they had three players, and and Bruce Bowen kind of counts in the mix because his NBA career didn't take off until he got to the Spurs, but you had yeah. three, four players if you want to count Robinson, Duncan, Parker, Ginobili who played their entire careers in San Antonio, like one Charlotte season for Tony Parker is the only difference. And if you read the reports about that, like Tony Parker was really wrestling with that decision when he left and and it's, that just doesn't happen everywhere. And so I think when Kawhi Leonard was on his way out the door, it was like, this this doesn't happen. San, this never happens in San Antonio. Why would anyone ever want to leave? No one's ever left before. So why would anyone want to leave after that? And I think, I mean, I, one of the conclusions I drew is just people miscalculated who Kawhi Leonard was just because they kind of like typecasted him as Tim Duncan. But of course, if you're a Spurs fan and you're covering the Spurs and probably even people in the Spurs organization looked at it like, well, no one ever wants to leave. Our, our Hall of Famers want to stay here forever. They want to live in San Antonio after their careers are over. Why would why would anyone want to leave? Yeah, you're right. And, and I attributed to the H word, the it, it was hubris, hubris of the Spurs and the organization. Uh, because just like what you said, why would anyone want to leave? Right. I mean, I mean, we, we've tailored this whole organization. We, we, we've tailored this machine to our star players over the course of the last 20 or 30 years to where we're going to do the same thing with you. And it's funny because, um, it was actually a good timing because I think your episode, your, your last episode of the, the series dropped last Wednesday. And I want to say the day after was Manu's birthday. So NBA TV was airing uh, some of the Spurs games and they were, they were showing game. Um, I think it was game five, of the 2013 finals. And it was Kawhi's second year. And Mike Breen was talking about him and talking about how he was, I mean, just the the quietest, the quietest player in the NBA and how the Spurs are the perfect organization for him because uh, whenever it came to, to, to talking to the media or just any type of attention, 
we didn't really get it. We didn't require it because we let our, we, we let our, 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 our game talk for itself. And I think you're right. We all kind of miscalculated him because even though he was quiet, I mean, he was definitely the, 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 the wheels were churning in his, in his mind. And I mean, he's a San Diego kid. I mean, that's where he wanted to go back. He wanted to go back to California and, you know, and we can maybe get, get into this here a little bit. It would have been fine. It, 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 it would have stung a lot less had he just come out and been like, you know what? I want to go home and I just want to go home. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go back home. I have played seven or eight years now with the Spurs but I want to go back. That's one thing, because at least at that point, you're not besmirching the organization. You're not kind of dragging it to the mud like what he did as far as questioning our, our doctors and medical staff and, and everything else. And really just totally um, just pillaring his trade value to where we can't we 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 couldn't do anything. Our hands were tied to to even get what we got was actually. Uh, a pretty good get considering. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the part I think that uh, Spurs fans are really, even to this day, uh, just baffled and really upset and angry over. Well, I saw people in your discord for the, for the Spurs <laughs> talking about he who should not be named. Like oh, I, yeah. I'm surprised that the bitter feelings are there and maybe I shouldn't be because, you know, fan bases do this all the time, but I think the fact that it hasn't worked out probably changes the way people feel about about Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs because, yeah, like you said, it, it was the the relationship falling out because of the medicals, and then Kawhi Leonard would never allow himself to be ruled out. It's like, well, I, I could come back, I could come back. I, I don't want to rule myself out. And then, you know, by March of March of that year, it was just kind of like there's no coming back from this, and. From there, it was kind of a fallout. But yeah, I, I think that the way that 2018 played out probably ingratiated a lot of hard feelings for for Spurs fans and the Spurs fan base. Because, I mean, you said it, you kind of nailed it. Like this sets the franchise back seven to 10 years by losing Kawhi Leonard. Well, I think the the bitter way it fell out doesn't necessarily buy him good publicity with the fan base, but you know, that's just, it's the way it ended that I'm sure people probably still have bad feelings over just because of how 2018 played out. And you're right. It, it's exactly the way it ended because I'll tell you during his time here, um, up until those rumblings, whenever he first started to talk about possibly leaving or wanting to leave, uh, I felt like he really ingratiated himself to the community. I mean, I think I want to say either, it was either his rookie year or his second year um, we have every every Christmas we have kind of like what maybe other NBA teams do too. Also, one of our players turn uh, dresses as Santa Claus and he goes around the neighborhood and drops off gifts. Well, I mean, wouldn't you know it? I mean, little old Kawhi Leonard who never talks, he was our Santa one year. I mean, you can't even really imagine him wanting to do that or doing that, but here he was dressed in, in full Santa Claus garb, dropping gifts off in one of the. Um, less fortunate neighborhoods and i mean that was like i said i think it was i think it was his rookie year or second year and in addition to that he um he starred in our heb commercials heb is like a really big grocery store here a grocer in texas to where the heb commercials are are uh uh everyone kind of waits with bated breath whenever they drop because they usually star uh the stars of the team and for i think i want to say five or six years he was part of that and because he was so quiet, it was it was really funny to watch it because they would kind of put him in these awkward situations where it just it was funny seeing Kawhi Leonard 
with a huge uh, a huge hand or like a cooking glove that or like a, an oven mitt that didn't fit his hand because his hands were so massive and things like that to where you kind of felt like hey i mean this guy he's connected he's wanting to to, to be here and and um i think i even mentioned um I'd, I'd had season tickets during that time to where me and my family we were literally sitting right next to his mom and his uncle not not uncle dennis but <laughs> it was a, another uncle and mm-hmm. i mean we would talk to his mom and very very nice lady very sweet i mean they always comment about our kids and how cute they were and i mean we felt like we had a connection with them and and, and knew them and uh of course it's not not any and not not to uh, not any representation of them at all but i mean just yeah definitely the way that it, the, the way that it ended just the, that last year especially because let me kind of take it back real quick um i think it was george carl back in like the 2005 or 2006 playoffs um we faced the nuggets and whenever he was still coaching them and i think he even mentioned back then like well the spurs really aren't a part of the nba like they don't really know what it is what, it, what it's like to be part of the nba because their 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 culture and the way they handle things it's just different they never have to worry about players demanding trades or things happening to where it gets out in the media everything's kept in house and because of that because we were sheltered for so long whenever these rumors started happening whenever Woj started to drop these reports about hey i mean Kawhi leonard's uh, team or his handlers are kind of saying that she, he, he's not happy or he's not happy with the medical staff. I think it first started to pop up right around January of 2018. I think it's whenever the first report dropped. The first report and, was uh, January 21st. It's now engraved in my yeah. head because I've done all this research, yeah. but yeah, January <laughs> 21st. And then the next day, Jalen Rose said that, hey, Kawhi Leonard wants to leave San Antonio. And I'll tell you on Spurs Twitter, um, no one believed it. We're like, no, get out of here. There's no way that's true. And right away, like we started even like like mocking Woj, like maybe, hey, maybe Woj doesn't know what he's talking about because that can't be our Spurs, that can't be our Kawhi. And we <laughs> we kind of had to really swallow that bitter pill that wherever there's smoke, there's fire. And these reporters are uh, more more uh, informed than what we think they are, and especially whenever it came to the Spurs, because Again, for so long, because of Tim Duncan and the culture that he built here, we were sheltered from having that kind of controversy and having that type of environment where there were rumors and there were there were things that happened where it's like, hey, I mean, are we going to have our, I mean, our, is our star player going to stay here? Or is he wanting to leave? I mean, and then, of course, whenever we started to hear the stories, I think Michael C. Wright did a really good job of following up on this, started to hear the stories about, how Kawhi was hiding in, in, in New York City and Uncle Dennis and all this other stuff. That's when it's like people kind of really started to put put things together. And it's like, you know what? This really is happening. This really is true. And I mean, even, even the most devout uh, Spurs fan with Spurs colored glasses, I mean, at, at, by the end of it, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't, um, you couldn't doubt the reports. You couldn't doubt what was happening. You just, I mean, more than anything, we just couldn't believe it because it never had happened here. And like I said a few moments ago, it's like, why would anyone want to leave? I mean, we have this legacy that you can continue, but of course it's deeper than that. I think you did a really good job too of kind of bringing the human element to it because you talked about Kawhi and his upbringing and his his his, his father's uh, death and how that happened. And I mean, uh, of course, Pop at the same end during whenever that that whole time was happening 
with Kawhi and, and Spurs being in the playoffs and Kawhi being away from the team. Pop was having to deal with the death of his wife. Um, so, yeah, th- there was a really big human element there, too, that I think um, kind of goes understated. Yeah, and and this is the interesting part about how 2018 played out is there are so many things that we'll never be able to answer, but there were so many moving parts that it, it just felt like it was a whole combination of events that just kept like one thing led to another led to another and there's no communication between the Spurs and Kawhi and the Spurs don't know what to do and and then the players only meeting happens and it just feels like everything has now been blown up into everyone's business is out there and you know the the players kind of alienated Kawhi a bit and and all of that there were so many moving parts that it just felt like that whole season was unlike any, I mean, players request trades all the time and people leave organizations all the time, but it's never quite as, as dramatic as it was with the Spurs where it felt like one day everything was fine. And seven months later, everything is over. And it's just, everyone has hard feelings walking out the door. Like rarely has it ever looked like what that is, uh, especially for a player as good as Kawhi Leonard and for an organization viewed as stable as, as the Spurs. Like I, obviously I'm from San Diego and now in Sacramento, like when DeMarcus cousins was having passive aggressive <laughs> fights with the Kings, it w- it felt very different than even the Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs situation where there was just so many weird moving parts where it's like, does Kawhi have a right to be skeptical of the Spurs? Are the Spurs right to try and mend the relationship? Is Kawhi not helping them communicate? What does Uncle Dennis have to do with all of this? Like, there were so many moving parts that it just, it was really, I mean, episode four was the biggest episode of the show, but it was interesting to kind of put all those pieces together that I'd kind of known had existed, but didn't really know how they fit into a larger context and that's the episode where even after all i did i felt like i still feel like i could have done better in painting that picture because ultimately i didn't know how to draw conclusions from all of that information there was just so much going on with that that 2018 season and and, uh, spurs fans couldn't have been prepared for any of it and we weren't and um yeah i mean i i think you did a really brilliant job of, of of grafting that together because um, again, uh, we weren't prepared for it. Uh, it did seem like it came out of nowhere. There had not been any type of, I mean, there had been nothing, nothing in the way of, uh, any smoke about, about him wanting out or anything going on. And, and I'll tell you right around that time from like pretty much when we, when that, when that players meeting, that players only meeting happened. And I still remember that it was a Saturday night. We just beat the wolves and we had kind of started to put some things together. I mean, LaMarcus was having a really good year. We had signed Rudy Gay. He was contributing. The team was really starting to, to try to put some things together where after we beat the wolves that night, I remember, I think we had, I think we had won like maybe four or five games in a row at that point. And, and we're kind of trying to get ourselves in position for the playoffs we knew we were going to make the playoffs and there was always kind of that it was always really difficult because Kawhi was always in the background and even among spurs fans we were like hey you know what even if we end up at the sixth or seventh or eighth seed as, as long as Kawhi is here we're still gonna i mean we'll we'll beat whoever well we're gonna face that that uh, that 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 series and that was the frustrating part because there was even infighting within the fans because there were some fans who were talking about how, I mean, well, I mean, 
I heard that Kawhi is not happy and I heard this and that and the other thing. And of course, we're still trying to reconcile what we've known to be as Spurs fans the last 25 years. Like, no, man, that, that's not going to happen to our Spurs. Our Spurs don't do that. Our, whenever, whenever anybody comes here, they, 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 they come to stay. And I mean, we really were spoiled in that, in that, that aspect. And we, I think we said it kind of at the top of the show. Um, you've never seen that where teams, or I'm sorry, where, where players stay with teams like the way we had Tim, Tony, and Manu stay with us. And yeah, sure. I mean, Mon- or Tim or Tony played that last year in Charlotte, but that was yeah. But if you take David Robinson, to- uh, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker, that's like seventy basketball seasons, and <laughs> exactly. they didn't play for another team. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and 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 you know what? That will never be seen again. The only team that's going to have that, uh, I think, it's going to be the Warriors, right? I I, I think Steph's not going to go anywhere. Clay won't go anywhere. We'll see what's going to happen with Draymond as far as his contract stuff. But I can see them sticking together and staying with that with that team through the duration of their career. But it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And especially in the glitz and the the, the glitz and glam league like the NBA. I mean, there's players moving around all the time. So to have players want to come here and stay here and kind of like what I told what I told you earlier, sleepy town. Even though we're considered a bigger city i mean it's just it doesn't have that same feel of of uh those big cities like the, those big markets i think what i mean as far as market size we're like 25th or 26th in the league if i'm not mistaken so i mean mm-hmm. we're pretty far down there um so to have to have that continuity we just weren't used to it we weren't used to all that and yeah i mean whenever we started to actually hear about the characters we started to hear about uncle dennis we started to hear about his agent and we started to hear about the stories we started to hear about hey i mean um could this be true well then off season hits and i'll tell you during that time like i said we were like scrounging for any piece of information we can get so whenever that story broke i think it was michael c Wright and ramona shelburne they came out with that 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 combined story with espn where they were talking about the funeral and the spurs players popping up and they mentioned that Kawhi was there and it seemed like they didn't miss a beat. And it seemed like he was part of the, he was back in the fold again. And it, it was good to see him. And, and like all the players were kind of saying like, Hey, I mean, it seemed like things were cool. Like things were good. Like, I mean, I can tell you the entire fan base was kind of breathing a sigh of relief because at that point it's like, Hey, I mean, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. We hit a rough patch, but he's back in the fold let him let him get healed up and next year we'll be back and then of course everything else kind of hits the fan to where uh that <laughs> that dreaded day in july whenever they come out with the report that he's demanded a trade um it just it was just a, a gut punch yeah and and what's funny is that i had found that story with with ramona shelburne and michael c Wright originally and then i was as i was getting to that point in the fourth episode i found it again and i'm like Oh, there were all these great details in there because Ramona Shelburne, unlike, you know, Woj or unlike, you know, some Spurs reporters, like her sources come from Kawhi Leonard's camp. And she's one of the few national reporters that has sources within Kawhi Leonard's group. And so it felt like all these people who, you know, Kawhi wouldn't say it, but people in his camp were coming to his defense and saying, hey, the Spurs thought it was this type of injury, but it might have actually been this type of injury. And this is why he needed a second opinion. And 
the Spurs thought they knew everything. And it was like, oh, this is interesting because you have not necessarily Kawhi himself, but people around Kawhi speaking on behalf of him, which during that entire 2018 season, the whole question was, hey, why aren't we hearing anything from Kawhi? Why are we only hearing things from Uncle Dennis? And and why is there this communication breakdown? So around May, it was really interesting because it's like everything was done and it just felt like they needed to vent and just be like, hey, this is how we're feeling right now around Kawhi Leonard and how we feel about the Spurs. And, you know, like you said, it came to a point where he decided the relationship wasn't going to be mended. And similarly, we don't talk enough about how like Greg Popovich flew to San Diego, met with Kawhi Leonard one on one, flew back to San Antonio. And the next day was like, yep, we got to trade him. You know, so, you know, yeah, like, it, it, no one talks about because, that. <laughs> it's funny because right around that time, um, I think it was I think I want to say it was like right around the trade deadline that that, that trip that that trip and that visit happened. Somebody started circulating like an old picture of Kawhi and Pop having dinner at some Italian restaurant in San Diego. And then, of course, Spurs Twitter started running with it like, oh, look, they're meeting now. And we're like, I, I remember exchanging it with like three or four people. And DMs like saying like, hey, I mean, it's going to be okay. Look, they're meeting. And I think somebody finally, like, I think like a couple hours later said, no, that's an old photo. But yeah, I mean, we were just scrounging for information at that point. And um, I had mentioned this to you uh, last week. Once, once everything kind of hit the fan and Kawhi demanded the trade and we knew the characters as far as Uncle Dennis really kind of being what seemed like the person who was spearheading what was going on. I mean, just pure vitriol. I mean, I will <laughs> unabashed just hatred started going his way on Twitter to where um, he had an account and actually he still has, he still has this business. It's called protocol international. And mm-hmm. he actually had a Twitter account um, set up to where that was at least for, from our knowledge, that was the only way or only social media platform that we could actually access him so i mean we we literally i mean just bombarded that account with all kinds of just, uh just uh, just vile hatred in, of we, we want to take out our anger at someone <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is the this is the uh yeah. this is the pariah this is the person he we was, can throw all of our blame at we can scapegoat ex- this man exactly he was definitely our target that day and within i want to say i'm not even embellishing within about an hour or two um he deactivated his account and of course like I, I i felt like like you know that part in braveheart whenever they first win their first battle and i mean they're all like celebrating and yelling i felt like collectively like that was one of the few times that spurs twitter actually joined together and banded against the enemy right and we felt like we really accomplished something and wouldn't you know it the next morning they announced the trade and of course i mean that's something within our little community like we always kind of just kind of take take some 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 pride in knowing that we feel like we had a uh, a role in whenever that happened but even though i'm sure we probably didn't but it's one of those 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 funny funnily timed events yeah it just happened to be that the the raptors got involved and it was all coming together right around that time and that I'm sure that probably had something to do with why the target of yeah. Uncle Dennis was that day, because, you know, by by July, it was kind of resigned to the fact it was going to happen. I just think people were still surprised when it happened to be Toronto, even though we'd kind of known 
for like 10 days. I mean, I remember that summer. It was so strange because it felt like little by little, there was just like, because first you wanted to go to the Lakers. And then there was like two weeks where there was just nothing going on, where the Spurs had these number of teams they would take a trade from, but Kawhi wanted to go to these teams and it just felt like they were stuck for so long. And it was just such a weird way to go about trading a star. And ultimately San Antonio wanted, you know, the proven commodity of DeRozan and instead of taking like the young package of players and picks, but it's just so fascinated by how that 2018 summer played out and like how it officially ended when, they knew they were going their separate ways and it still took like a month to get to that place where they could finally put a deal together. Yeah. And, and it was definitely one of those things where I wish we could rewind and go back to that point and take a different path than what we did. I know a lot of us at that point, because we felt like we knew, Hey, I mean, this is the end. I mean, if, if when he gets traded away, we're not coming back from this. And that was, that was my, my sentiment. I was like, no, I mean, we knew what we had in him. And I think that's kind of why we're still so angry because we knew even before everyone else knew. And maybe, I mean, you knew because you, you saw him there in college, you knew the special talent that he was, you knew the I, motive. I saw it. And even I was surprised when it became what it was because yeah. I mean, he's still the 15th pick in his draft class. And you know, immediately, I mean, you mentioned the 2013 finals. He had the best at 21 years old, had the best defensive rating of anyone on the court in a series that had like seven Hall of Famers. Yeah, he, he was an absolute monster. And whenever they really fully unleashed him and I'll never forget um, to me, the 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 game that really just uh, crystallizes uh, the talent that he that he that he is Um was that game? It was, uh, I think, March of 2017. It was against the Rockets, and um, of course, I mean, the, the Rockets had James Harden. James Harden, I think, that year he won MVP. Um, bitter rivals always had always have had a really strong rivalry with the Rockets, and I remember being at that game, back and forth game, um, down to the very last second. You see Kawhi um, hit a three pointer at the top of the key to give the Spurs, I think, a one point lead. Cause we're down by two. He hit a three. We're up by one. James Harden grabs the ball, goes coast to coast. And out of nowhere, Kawhi just, he, he leaps and he blocks and he, he pins, he pins Harden's layup against the backboard and we win. And I mean, just that display right there at that point, we felt like, Hey, we have the best player in the league. We have the best player maybe since i mean because there were so much so many similarities to his game to michael jordan i mean i'm not gonna be gonna be sacrilegious and say like he was like like mike but i mean there were so many similarities as far as mid-range and his defense and his tenacity and just the way he played the game to where i remember later on that year we played the grizzlies in the first round of the playoffs and i think i want to say it was game three or four i mean just an absolute um absolute just a, a beast of a game we, we actually ended up losing we lost in overtime but the way that he played that game and he he was hitting shot after shot after shot and I remember telling my brother I was like could he be better than Tim Duncan at some point because it just seemed like <laughs> he was that good like he just I mean he 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 just uh grew in such a short amount of time and I know he put in so much work here to where all of that 
all all that sentiment and, and just watching him from the very first day that he, he came to, to the city to that point it's like there's no way he could he could want to leave but of course i mean that, that i mean everything else is kind of history at this point we know we we know everything that happened but yeah i mean just talking about it and just talking about just that talk, talking about it with the, the in the context of everything that happened how it happened the bitterness still remains because it's very multifaceted it's like an onion it's it remains because he was so darn good i mean he was such a i mean he was an elite player i don't know what he's going to look like post injury this from this past year cuz i mean he, he he literally missed the entire year to where um i'm i'm sure he's probably putting in work again to to be the player that he was but leading up to that to that time i mean he, he he's been like what the top 3 or 3 or 4 guys in the league um, I mean, as long so, as he's been healthy, yeah, that that's been the story for him. And yeah. you know, he he's he's this bridge guy where he between Kevin Durant and Giannis, he's this weird bridge guy who was for like six months or twelve months the best basketball player in the world. And you know, he's not going to be Steph Curry. He's not going to be Kevin Durant. He's not going to be Giannis. But he's kind of this weird in between where. For just a little bit, when it, when the NBA was transitioning, he was the best player in the sport. And, you know, unfortunately, it happened with Toronto and the Clippers when, when that run happened. But it was just fascinating to see him play as great as he did for, I mean, what was it, from 2014 to 2019 or 2020? Yeah. Is you know, one of the four best basketball players in the world or three best players in the world. Well, and that's the thing, and and you 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 prove my point because what you just said right there, as far as saying like, unfortunately, it happened whenever he was with the Raptors and the Clippers. We felt like it happened back from starting 2015, 2016. We 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 felt because we watched him every game, and I mean, we we kind of tracked his his ascension. I mean, we we felt like, hey, we have the best player in the league right now, and he's only going to get better, and he's still young, and he's going to be ours. And I think, again, that kind of go, just goes to the bitterness of like, we had him and we lost him. And again, the, 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 the next layer to that is just the way he left, right? I mean, hiding from the organization, making these allegations as far as how he was misdiagnosed, all these other things that really kind of just what I feel uh, put a dark cloud around the organization. And part of the frustration as a fan is like, hey, I mean, if this doesn't happen, like say something Spurs, I mean, defend yourself, like say, Hey, like um, as much as we love Kawhi, I mean, I think there's, there's a, a different interpretation or different perception of what actually happened, but they're never going to do that. And that, that kind of goes again to what I said at the very beginning, like this is by design, the way that the organizations run as far as any type of media spotlight or any type of uh, attention drawn to the team it's always shunned. I mean, there, there's not really going to be anything that the Spurs are ever going to say or talk about. I mean, we'd always kind of joke about saying, Hey, I mean, I can't wait for the 30th, 30 for 30 to come out about this whole thing. That's never going to happen because <laughs> the Spurs would never participate in that. <laughs> I did the uh, best I could, but clearly I don't have access to, to the Spurs organization <laughs> and Spurs players. So it's you not and everybody land else. The same. Yeah. yeah. You and everybody else, no one, no one has that kind of access, but uh, it would be it would be one for the ages because I think that there's an interesting story to tell, and I I really do commend you for for telling it as best as you can because I think being not not even being a Spurs fan, um, the 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 history that you brought in, 
I I knew about it because I mean I've been a fan since 1988. So I mean a lot of the early things that you were talking about, um, I remembered it and I remember I lived it. So it was all very familiar to me. But non Spurs fans wouldn't know about it. And for someone who's not a, a Spurs fan, I mean the fact that you're you're talking my language and like bringing up things that I was like, oh yeah, that did happen. Um, that was refreshing, and I really enjoyed that. Well, that's something that I wanted to set out with for the show because I knew Spurs fans would be the general audience for this, just because it was, you know, bit made, it was made for the Spurs community, and and that's mostly the people who are going to stop in. But even people who are just like regular sports fans, I I think would be able to understand some of the stuff that we were talking about in the show, and you know, maybe maybe that element of hey, let's talk about history when we talk about Greg Popovich and this quintessential 20th century American success story and how that plays into broader society. Like these are things that I could incorporate into the show. And, and there was less of that to do with Kawhi Leonard, but when you're telling these biographies, and that's what basically the first three episodes were, is like biography of the Spurs, biography of Greg Popovich, biography of Kawhi Leonard. Like as you're telling these stories, you can incorporate elements that like you don't have to be a Spurs fan to necessarily understand this stuff and understand the the basketball context for it. And I think that part was fun in telling those stories because ultimately the the, the podcast was about episode four and episode five. That's where I kind of started building this out, but doing those those episodes at the beginning and going back to ancient Spurs history, or at least ancient by basketball terms, and and then bringing it to the present was something that was really fun. And, and navigating through the dynasty was something that was interesting for me because, again, it's like 25 years. I mean, we got we talk about George Gervin and the 70s Spurs, but like it's really a 25-year run through the first three episodes of never, ever not winning, which is kind of crazy to think about. It is crazy, and and I actually, as a Spurs fan, I appreciate you referring to us as a dynasty because I think that that's kind of something that we've always kind of taken a little bit of offense to because not everybody does. I mean, if, if you listen to some some natural some national podcasters and national sportscasters, they don't always refer to us as a dynasty. In fact, I think um, uh, recently Bill Simmons kind of defined what a dynasty was for him, and we didn't really fit into that. And I think for a lot of people. Um, they don't always classify us as a dynasty, but I mean, kind of what I said earlier in this, in the, in the show, like, Hey, I mean, we have the highest winning percentage in all of North American sports. And I think I want to say that there's a crazy stat out there and I know I'm, I'm totally going to butcher it, but I mean, you know how bad we've been the last two years. I mean, we, we, we've not had a 500 record the last two seasons, but, um, golly, I, 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 I know even if I search it now, I'm not going to find it. But, but there's a stat out there that basically says even if we, um, even if we have a losing season for like the next, I don't know, like three or four or five seasons, that we're still going to have a better winning percentage than like 75 or 80 percent of the NBA, which is, mm-hmm. is, is astounding because I mean it's just it's just crazy because we kind of took for granted just how good we were for so long. And there was almost that expectation that we were always going to be competing for titles and Tim, Tony and Manu were always going to be here. And whenever they left, Kawhi was going to take over. So yeah, it, it's definitely been a struggle um, these last two, three years, especially because we haven't made the playoffs and we haven't really even come close to looking like a team that's, that's competed, which is why I said, I wish there was a, a rewind button to be able to go back to that 2018 July, 2018 and say, you know what? 
because I agree with you, and I, I think you mentioned it on the on the on, on one of the podcasts that there was an offer there by the Lakers that could have given us some draft picks, some some younger players, maybe even Brandon Ingram, but we chose not to do that. And I don't know whether it was pop stubbornness and just choosing not to do business with Lakers because of all those years where they were bitter rivals, or there was also and and, and um, I don't know if you hit on this or not. There was also a little bit of beef between he and Phil Jackson uh, some years because back in 1999 we swept them uh, to go to the to the uh, to the NBA Finals. Actually, mm-hmm. we swept them in the second round uh, that yeah. that year. I, th- I think that year they only lost like two playoff games the entire yes. run. Yeah, fifteen and two. So, but but that was before Phil had become coach. The very next year, he became coach of the Lakers, and I don't think we played them until 2001 because Tim was injured in 2000, so we didn't really have our full team there. But I remember in 2001, that really was built up as what was going to be like the greatest Western Conference Finals that it was ever played. And I remember even, I mean, back back then, it was like it was like all talk radio, sports talk radio that I would listen to, and they were really building it up. And Phil kind of threw some gas in the fire by talk by talking about our asterisk title and talking about the house pop and his coaching staff were kind of like the simulation crew because none of them had really had any MBA experience, any, any experience playing in the NBA. But so anything that they were doing as far as philosophy and coaching and everything was kind of a simulation where of course, I mean, we know about Phil's career as a New York Nick, but um, there was kind of that, that, that ribbing and then a little bit of that, of that beef even way back then. And even though Pop would never admit that, I mean, if, if, if you ask him, maybe after a couple of bottles of wine, possibly he might, he might admit that. But, I mean, he's one of those players or he's one of those, those people. That he, would, he would never admit anybody ever got to him that way. But, um, yeah, I don't know where that came from as far as him not wanting to do business with the Lakers. But I wish we would have gone down that route because that rebuild would have started a heck of a lot earlier. And maybe by now, maybe we're already getting out of it. Maybe, maybe we had one of these, one of these past couple of years, maybe we, we hit on it and get like a second or third top pick. And maybe we, maybe we have John Morant or somebody else that we could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The Spurs basically sat out a generation. They, they yes. sat out a generation trying to compete. And, uh, you know, as a result of that, they kind of just sat in, in what I call purgatory, but like for other teams, it, it, it signifies some level of success but the other argument i made during the show is like even if Kawhi leonard leaves they could have tried i mean they could have smoothed it over enough to try and win the championship in 2019 one of the the arguments i make is that 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 core the spurs had going into 2019 was as good as the raptors team that won the championship now a lot of things have to break your way but I don't know if the Spurs would necessarily regret not trying to to win the championship in 2019 and hoping some things break their way and and maybe they end up doing the same thing Toronto did because I mean kind of we're talking about the same thing. I think the Spurs regret the decision that they made. The the trade with Toronto, the decision to try and compete, watching LaMarcus and Patty Mills and Danny Green all walk out the door. Like I I think they probably regret that decision in hindsight. So you know, whatever they end up choosing instead probably would have worked out better than what actually happened. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that, um, that they would probably do things differently back then, or if if they could go back also. And I think that that kind of shows now, right? I mean, we, we see, especially here as of late, um, trading DeJounte, trading Derek quite earlier in the year, 
I think that they see that, hey, we're not going to go anywhere the way we're currently constructed. We're, it, it's always going to be that middle of the road purgatory. Like you said, I definitely agree with that. I, I don't like being a middle of the road team. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to get a draft pick high enough to change it. And you're never going to kind of really bottom out to where it's like, yeah, the joke I've been making is that they're basically just Charlotte. They've they've basically just become Charlotte. Who wants to be Charlotte, right? (laughs) Yeah. Call the name, the (laughs) name, the, the nine, 10 play in game after Greg Popovich. Cause he's, he's played in every nine, 10 play in game so far since its existence. Uh, what a sad state of reality that we're facing now as Spurs fans, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, they're going to be terrible now, but you know, it's it's tanking, so it's a strategic terrible. And yeah, I, I think that they probably regret how that went down, but th- that's kind of how the fall works. It's never pretty. It's just unique to the Spurs case because it went from like one day they're at the top of the mountain, twenty five points up on the Warriors, and then it's over. They they will never oh. get back to that point. And it was it took a long time to get to it for it to all fall apart. Relatively speaking, it took like three years before it was all over. But it was like one day they're they're revving and then the next day it's sputtering and it's all falling apart. And I think you you made this point and it's a good point and it's a point I agree with. And I know a lot of other Spurs fans agree with. We're always so slow to pivot. We're always slow, so slow to change and adjust. And that's always kind of been a criticism that, that some Spurs fans have, have of, of Pop. Uh, if you look back at some of the times that we've lost in the playoffs, the one I'm thinking of specifically, there was um, that second round battle we had against uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2016, where mm-hmm. we probably should have won that series. I, I remember we blew out the Thunder the very first game. And I think you even talked about it in the series as far as how um, there was a really wonky play at the end of game two to where thunder tied it the Dion waiters push yes yeah yeah yeah. i was actually at that game and um their second home loss of the entire season yeah it it was nuts because i mean we're unbeatable at home and i remember like we were begging pop because i mean he was so stubborn as, as he often is he continued to play david west whenever I mean, we had a rookie that was 7-4 on the bench that could have really shook things up by the name of Boban Marjanovic. <laughs> and, I mean, even if he's just out there um, for, like, 10 minutes, try it because no one no one could have stopped him as far as rebounding. And that's really where, where we lost that series, I think, was rebounding because the Thunder had uh, Collins and Ennis Cantor and um, – Oh gosh, I'm having a brain fart right now. Uh, uh, the 2016 Thunder, they so they had Cantor, uh, they had obviously Waiters, their big man. Well, I guess center, Durant. Who who is their other big man? Oh, Stephen Adams. There we go, Stephen Adams. So they had that three-headed monster there in the, in the front court, just out rebounding us and pulverizing us in the boards to where, yeah, that that really killed us. And here we are with um, Tim Duncan on one leg, David West. And um, I think at that point, oh, LaMarcus, of course, but I mean, LaMarcus, uh, I mean, he's never been a strong, strong rebounder, but yeah, I mean, it, he was always just so slow to adjust. And I use that example to say that to, to prove to, to, to show the point that it was always really slow adjustments that he made. I mean, he, he always, he was always one of those people. He's always been one of those people, those coaches that he, he it's, it's let's dance with the person that brought us uh, that, 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 we, that we brought that, that got us here. Right. So 
it's one of those situations where he just never really wanted to change. And I think it's showing now organization wide and that it's like, Hey, for all these years, we fostered an environment where we've, we tailored the organization to these players that didn't really want to be out in public and talk and do all these other things. Well, now they're having to change it because I mean, we had DeJounte Murray, I mean, straight out of um, Washington state, young kid. I mean, he wanted to be out there and he wanted to, I mean, he, I think he was one of the few Spurs that had social media that would use it pretty consistently. And it was always funny because we'd make jokes. He, he would post something on Twitter and it would be deleted like within five minutes because you, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the belief is that usually somebody in Spurs PR got a hold of him and said, Hey, delete that because it usually had a, cu- a cuss word or something else in there that was somewhat semi-controversial. And now, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's with the Hawks now. And I mean, he, he, he's posting all kinds of stuff. In fact, I think there was a picture taken of him not, not too long ago in a strip club with like hundred dollar uh, bills in his hands. And he looked like he was having a good time. So, I mean, that never would have flown as a Spurs, uh, Spurs player, but it's one of those things where we've just been very slow to adjust. And I think um, it's surprising to, to know that there's a pretty large faction of Spurs fans that, are kind of ready to see Pop kind of retire and, and, and move move on and move forward. That way we can have some young blood come on in and start start a hopefully a, a new run. Yeah, and, and that was the thing I was looking at, at the end, which is how do you how do you end something that has gone on for this long? Because like <laughs> the other part I said is like San Antonio, they were so close. They were so close to immortality. Pop was so close to having something to pass on to whoever the next generation was. And now obviously it's all been torn to the ground and they're going to try and just build an entirely new team with draft picks. And I was fascinated by that because like you said, Pop is kind of just in this weird purgatory where People, some people want him to retire. Some people want him to stay. He basically has the keys until he wants to leave. And it's so strange to, to watch that play out in real time because he has the record. He has the, he has the team, I guess, basically now under his guise as president, because now even RC Buford is the CEO of the team now, and he's not doing basketball operations anymore. So he, he gets this chance to keep working and he wants to stay in San Antonio and he's, he's just kind of in purgatory and it's yeah. weird that that's the case. He definitely has the keys to the kingdom. He's never going to be fired. It's one of those, those positions where I think he might be the only coach in professional sports that can call his own shot as far as saying, Hey, I mean, I'm going to be here as long as I, I, I want to be here. I think the growing sentiment, the growing belief is this is going to be his last year. I think that that's kind of been what's been signaled a little bit, especially with the departure of longtime assistant coach Chip England last week. Uh, there, You can kind of start to see little hints, at least more than what you have in the past, as far as saying, hey, I mean, maybe this is his final run. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think even after he does retire, he's never really going to go away. I mean, he, he's always going to have some kind of, some kind of handprints, some kind of some kind of handprints on the organization as far as what they do and and how they operate, and that's fine. I mean, he can he can do that from the sidelines, and not 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 the literal not the literal sideline, but the sidelines away from the court. Yeah, um, still being president yeah. of the team, but not being the coach. 
Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I think that it's time for that because especially with this new crop coming in, these new players, as much as, I mean, let's think about it, right? I mean, I think you're 22, 23, right? Yeah. Somewhere around yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I'm 40, I'll, I'll be 42 this year. Um, these new players that are coming in, we have Josh Primo that was drafted last year that was literally the youngest player in the league last year. And then we have a bunch of 19-year-olds we drafted that are going to be part of the team. They don't remember things that 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 pop did like way back in the early the, the late 90s and early 2000s they know by seeing youtube and seeing nba tv and espn and sports center they know that way but i mean as far as what their what what their context of the nba and basketball is it's it's kobe bryant and lebron and lebron james right i mean that's that's who they remember that's who they know so yeah while they're going to kind of give you lip service by saying, yeah, I mean, we can't wait to get coached by the greatest coach of uh, coach in NBA history, which he is at the same end. Um, it's time to kind of, <laughs> kind of have that new voice come in, or at least that's what I think me and a lot of other Spurs fans are thinking. I, I feel like it's a question of whether or not people think Popovich has something left to offer, like a, as a coach or as a leader, because that's always been weird and interchangeable. I learned through this series that like, yeah, Greg Popovich views himself as a leader first and a coach second. And yeah, he's more concerned yeah, yeah. about the human in that respect. So I, I guess it's just, does he have something left he can offer that maybe someone else can't at this point? And I guess that's the only argument that can be made for him sticking around other than just he gets to keep the job as long as he wants, because he's like you said, the godfather of the whole kingdom. Yeah, and, and and we're gonna see that this year. And um I'll say, I mean, some of the beat writers, one beat writer specifically mentioned right after the draft that uh, a source within the organization kind of indicated to him that Pop is more reju- rejuvenated than ever as far as coaching and he, he's he's excited for the year and he feels like he's back at Pomona Pitzer, which was where Pop had first started coaching back in college. So hearing that, it's like, uh, I mean <laughs> I'm glad for the guy. I'm glad he's happy and he's he's looking forward to it. But I mean, let's not let's not be too giddy uh, past this year, right? At least for some Spurs fans. But um, I I think I think X's and O's wise, I mean, he's always going to be somewhat innovative. I mean, I I I think that Spurs the Spurs can kind of be credited a little bit. Um, with the way that the NBA is played now, because you look back, I was watching that 2013 series the other day, that, that one game, the game is so much different and it's crazy because that was only nine years ago, but the mm-hmm. game is played so much different now, but you can, you kind of started to see that transition from 2013 to 2014. And then of course what the Warriors did starting in 2015 of that jump shooting team, spacing the floor, three point shots, and that kind of started with the Spurs, and I mean, I, 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 I'm, I don't think I'm being biased when I'm saying that, but that really did. If you go back, you start to look at late 2012, 2013, 2014 Spurs. That they're the ones that kind of started that whole trend of spacing the floor, more three point shots. Even though Pop hates three point, uh, three point uh, uh, shots, we had more of the personnel that lent itself to that. No, we never had a Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and they're the, they're the ones that kind of accelerated it and really just took it to another level because they're just unbelievable shooters. But um, we kind of the we're, we're kind of the ones that sort of the template, and then the Warriors went and they they, they took off and they they just exploded from there. But um, yeah, you're right. 
it, it, it has always been more about the person uh, over basketball. It's always been bigger than basketball. I mean, Papa always talks about that. I think DeMar DeRozan really felt that whenever he was here because, um, he, of course, he didn't want to come here. I mean, he didn't want to be traded at all. But having Pop kind of come in and bring him in the fold and really, really speak to him more as a person, and especially after that betrayal that he felt from Masai Ujiri at the Raptors, um, it was good that he came. And, I mean, of course, we see now I mean, him exploding with the Bulls. But, yeah, I think I, it can never be questioned that Pop's, Pop's – first priority and his main gift. I mean, just, just being able to, to connect, make that connection with his players on a personal level. In fact, we, we, we heard uh, Tim Duncan, whenever he uh, had his hall of fame uh, induction speech, talk about how he said, and I, I think you had it on the show, right? I mean, where he was talking about how pop went to his Island and, and Tim thought, I thought that was normal and it's not. Yeah, and Tim it, it was his hall of fame speech ended uh, yeah. episode two of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where even early on pop made that the culture, he made that the norm for the Spurs that it was going to be bigger than basketball. It was going to be about the human element. It was going to be about family. That's why we ended up keeping Tim to begin with because Tim was out the door ready to go to Orlando. uh, But for doc rivers telling him, Hey, yeah, whenever we fly as a team, your family can't join us. And that was a really big deal for Tim to where, that was always a Spurs deal. Like, Hey, Amy. And I mean, all the kids and whoever else was family at the time, they could fly with the Spurs whenever they were flying. Orlando said no. And I think that was a really big factor that played in that, that played in Tim staying here. So, I mean, that, that, that's always been uh, that familial element that pops brought to the Spurs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's left of that or, what carries over when you have, when you take away every other piece besides Popovich, I don't know what, what carries over from that, but you know, it's like uh, the idea of if you rebuild the, if you, if you rebuild everything else, it's still the same thing it was before. Cause you know, the conclusion I drew from it is like, everyone is gone except for Popovich. <laughs> yeah. Which everything is else because, is gone. I mean, doubled yeah. down by chip England now leaving to go to the thunder. Like exactly. literally everything yeah. is gone. Which is crazy because he always said like, Hey, the first day that Tim walks out the door, I'm following, I'm, I'm, I'm following right after him. And we see now six years later, Tim's retired and pop's still there. So, um, I think it's more just a matter of at this point, um, his wife, rest in peace. She's she's gone now, and I think he just doesn't want to. I, I don't think he wants to stop. I don't think he wants to retire and just kind of be somebody just that just travels and doesn't necessarily have a goal or a task in mind. I think this is kind of something that just kind of keeps him alive and and, and keeps him going. And I mean, hey, I mean, good for him. Hey, I, I <laughs> it's a good gig if you can get it right. I mean, if, if you can get paid millions and millions of dollars to coach and do the thing that you love. Uh, but whenever it comes to just organization and, 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 and culture and, and, and eras um, it's one of those that I, th- I think, I think we're kind of ready to move on, but it's like, Hey, I mean, pop's definitely going to be missed whenever that day does come. Um, I mean, make no mistake. He is the greatest coach of all time and he has the record and he has the skins to show it. Um, but everyone has an end. Yeah, and I I couldn't draw that conclusion directly in the show, but I kind of alluded to that idea is like, what happens when this idea of what your career is going to look like after 
changes. What happens when you don't have a team left you can hand off to whoever the next guy is? Or, or I mean, it was almost going to be Becky Hammond, but whoever the next person running the team is, what happens when you return to a house that's empty when your day is done? Does that does that make you want to to crave that basketball culture more? You know, does it want you to stay in the facility longer if it means avoiding going home? I don't know Greg Popovich, so I don't know what emotions he's dealing with in regards to to that, to his wife's death and, and just the end of the Spurs dynasty. And, you know, Tim Duncan was coaching there for a little bit and then Duncan left. And obviously Parker and Ginobili are gone and now Kawhi's gone and even LaMarcus and Danny Green and Patty Mills and Matt Bonner, all of them are gone. So, I, I mean, do you walk away from from it without having anything to do afterwards again i couldn't draw that conclusion from the show but i'm just interested by what motivates greg popovich at this point in his life yeah and i mean i i think only he can answer that and it's one of those things where we just kind of have to hurry up and wait and, and, and see what decision he makes but like i said I, I i think that the growing sentiment i think the growing belief is this more than likely will be his last season um but I mean, who knows? We, I think a lot of people thought that last year. I didn't think that. I think, I think um, at the beginning of last year, I had predicted he'd have two more years. So that would be last year and this year. So I think there's going to be his last year. But I mean, with that recent report that came out, that re- not really a report, but more just a tweet that said, "Hey, I mean, he's a, he's reinvigorated and he's excited and he feels like he's back coaching college again." I mean, um, who knows? We, we we may still have another three to five years, but. Um, I think either way, um, yeah, I mean, I, what I'm really hoping for, and I mean, I, I, I think there's something that we finally see some direction the Spurs are kind of trending towards is that rebuild. If we can land a player like Wembenyama or one of these other top picks, it can really kind of accelerate this rebuild for us and have it to where uh, if he does decide just to step away, um, at least he'll he'll leave the organization in good hands. To where it's like we have some, we finally have some superstar talent there. We we have we have some something that's that, that, that's promising that we can build off of. Well, Danny Sandoval, again, thank you again for joining the show. I really appreciate the time that you gave and and having conversations about the Spurs and the podcast series. Um, I really appreciate this conversation and and loved getting your thoughts on the state of the Spurs, the show, and the story that I spent a month writing on. So, uh, thanks you did a again. Great I guess job. Yeah, yeah, you did a great job, Kyle. I, I want to say, I mean, thank thank you for having me on. I I always like talking Spurs. I I I mean, the Spurs are my passion. I know a lot of, a lot of times people kind of hate on me because as of late, I kind of critique the team because I don't necessarily agree with all the decisions that they make, but. I'm a diehard Spurs fan. I love the Spurs. I'm always going to bleed black and blue. They're always, I'm not black, or black and silver. They're always going to yeah. be my team. I'm going to die a Spurs fan. Um, I will, I mean, if they go 0 and 82, I'm still going to be there cheering for them. So anytime I can talk Spurs, especially with a non Spurs uh, fan, that, that, that's always great because we can talk basketball and chop it up that way. So thank you for having me on. And you really did do a, a, an extraordinary job of kind of telling that story, because like I said, at the beginning of the podcast um, to even have somebody outside of this area, talk about us and, and talk about that whole ordeal that happened, that that was fascinating. That was tremendous. And that's cool to see it from an outsider's perspective. 
Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you circling it through the the Spurs Twitter community, because obviously I'm not ingratiated within Spurs Twitter. So (laughs) uh, any way to spread the word on the show to Spurs fans was much appreciated. So I'm glad that you enjoyed the show and I'm glad that you were helping to to spread the word to other Spurs fans because the support I got for the show was well beyond my expectations. Maybe I set my expectations too low, but the the people who engaged with the show and listened to the show was way beyond my expectations. Well, I'm glad it exceeded expectations and I'll definitely uh, pull more ears your way. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs>